And I'll invite you to open your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 4. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 982. We're going to continue our examination of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And today our passage will be verses 10 through 20 of Philippians 4. Today we're going to focus upon the the partnership that the Philippian church demonstrated towards Paul. We're actually going to look at this passage also for the next two weeks as well. Next week we'll see if we can learn more about what Paul speaks of as a kind of secret of contentment that he's learned. I think that we can all use a little more contentment in our lives. So if that's the case for you, I especially want to encourage you to be here next week. And then in two weeks, we'll pray that the Lord will grow our confidence that he really can and will provide for all of our needs. But first, today we'll focus upon the partnership that the Philippians had with Paul and Paul's appreciation for that and his appreciation for them as well. You know, as I thought about this this week too, I also recognized that you and I should also be very thankful for the Philippians' faithfulness in their support of Paul. Their support of Paul, he says, was crucial to his work of spreading the gospel. Philippi was was the first church to be established in Europe. And most of us come from a European heritage. It's right for us to think of the church in Philippi as being a kind of mother church of Europe. So we have to ask the question, would our ancestors have heard the gospel Would the gospel have gotten to Germany or to Spain or to France or England or or Ireland or Scotland if this little church, this little ragtag group of believers, perhaps no more than us, hadn't partnered with Paul in the way in which they did at this crucial time in his ministry? So let's Pray right now and let's thank the Lord for that and also that he would help us to rightly understand and apply this passage. Lord God, that is our prayer. Lord, grow our appreciation for your people, for the way that your people have shared in the work of ministry in a great many ways, some by going and proclaiming the gospel others by staying and living out the gospel. Lord, we're going to learn about these generous people, these Philippian Christians. And Lord, I pray that as we sit before your word, by the power of your spirit working in concert with your word, that you would cause us to be more like the Philippians in this regard. That you would cause us to be like Timothy, like Epaphroditus, like Paul, Lord, but most of all, we pray that you would cause us to be more like Jesus, whom is the one of whom they declare, the one in whom they trust. Lord, may we trust in you and work for the proclamation of your word as they have. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. All right, so once again, our passage today, Philippians 
4, verses 10 through 20. This is God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Paul writes, saying, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, meaning always, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And we'll especially be looking at those couple verses next week. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So in this passage, Paul speaks to the Philippians expressing his appreciation for their partnership in life and in ministry. He lacks nothing, he says. He's well supplied, he says in verse 18. But still, nonetheless, he's very thankful for the gift that the Philippians have recently provided to him. We learn in verse 18 that this gift from the Philippians church has been delivered to Paul by one of the Philippians' own this man named Epaphroditus. In this passage, Paul thanks them for this gift, and he thanks them for their long-standing partnership with him. He thanks them for their love and for their genuine concern that they've had for him for these many years. And for all of this, Paul gives thanks to the Lord for these Philippians. You might remember that that's even actually how Paul begins the letter to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 3, when he says, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you. The Philippians' care and concern and love and partnership with Paul has been long standing. In verse 15, he says that from the very beginning, meaning immediately upon the church in Philippi's establishment, they had partnered with Paul in his missionary activity. When Paul left Macedonia, where Philippi is located, they, they immediately, the small group of believers, they immediately began to help enable Paul to continue his work of spreading the gospel. And they did so in such a way that, that Paul even refers to it as saying that how they did that, their support of him and his ministry was like that of no other church. No other church but this church in Philippi entered into this type of partnership with him, this depth, this consistency of care. These Philippians have a special place 
in Paul's heart. <coughs> One commenter said other congregations caused Paul ongoing headaches. But the Philippians, whatever their present problems might be, had been more of a support to Paul rather than a burden. They had helped him in his work rather than to cause him more work, which is what it seems some churches had done for Paul. The Philippians were willing even to partner with Paul in his sufferings. Look at verse 14 where he says that. He says, you've been willing to share in my troubles. These Christians went above and beyond what others were sometimes willing to do. Their hearts were joined to one another. They were true partners, willing to share in his sufferings and not just in his ministry successes. And for this and for the relief that their partnership has provided now and in the past, Paul is grateful. And notice that this partnership has a mutuality to it. Look at verse 15. Paul says that, that there's a mutual giving and receiving. Paul received the benefit of the Philippians' encouragement and financial and other assistance, but the giver also received something too. We should remember that also any time that, that we, whether as individuals or as a church, give a gift for the purposes of the Lord. We can expect that we too will receive a blessing in that. The Philippians had been providing support and assistance and help to Paul from the beginning, he says. And think about what that entailed. Paul and Silas, before they came to Philippi, left Asia Minor and they crossed over into this region of Europe called Macedonia. And then they found their way into Philippi. And then we're told in Acts, I believe it's chapter 16, that thereafter exercising a demon out of a young slave girl, they were beaten by a mob and thrown into jail. And even while in that jail they began to plant the church which would become the church in Philippi as they shared the good news of the gospel with the one who we know as the, the, the Philippian jailer who tended to their wounds after an earthquake freed Paul and his companions from their chains. Shortly after that, Paul and Silas were escorted out of town, but not before visiting again, we're told, with Lydia and some of the other first converts of this new church just days or weeks into their walk of faith and trusting in Christ. After just a few weeks or days of, of their coming to faith in the Lord, this group of new, fit, new Christians in Philippi started to support Paul financially and in other ways. He did that first on their next stop in their journey in Thessalonica, Paul says in verse 16, helping him with his needs again and again. And for this, Paul expresses his appreciation of them for their partnership in life and in ministry. These people are so dear to him, as you are to me, I might say. But Paul doesn't just take joy in the blessing that he's received from the Philippians, but notice that he also takes joy in the blessing that the Philippians will receive 
because of their faithfulness in generosity. Look at verse 17. Not that I seek your gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. As far as Paul was concerned, the the Philippians had done everything and more that Paul could ever expect of them. He He had received full payment, Paul said in verse 18. But now what's Paul talking about when he makes mention of of a fruit that increases to the Philippians' credit? Now, of course, we know Paul. We know his theology. That can't be any kind of works righteousness. The, The Philippians aren't earning favor with the Lord by being generous to Paul like this. But what is it that Paul's speaking about? Well, I think the key is found in verse 18 when Paul says that the gift, and I would suggest the Philippians themselves, are like a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, he says. And here I think we do well to remember some of those occasions of sacrifices being offered up to the Lord in the Old Testament. Occasions such as in Exodus 29, after the Lord had delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, after he had established the Mosaic covenant with them, after he had given them the Ten Commandments about how to find true joy in life, after he had given instructions for the building of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, where his glory would be present with his people, after all of that deliverance, after all of this grace, after all of this blessing, the Lord then gave instruction for the shedding of blood as a means for the atonement of sins. And the Lord said that such a sacrifice, such an offering, was a pleasing aroma to him. I think of how Noah offered a similar burnt offering to the Lord when he and his family came out of the ark, out of the ark after the Lord delivered them through the flood. This Two in Scripture, this sacrifice that Noah offered in gratitude for the Lord's deliverance, the Lord calls a pleasing and acceptable aroma and sacrifice. We give offerings to the Lord not to earn his favor, but in recognition that the favor of the Lord has already been poured out upon us. We respond with the sacrifice of gratitude which the Lord is pleased to receive. And we're, but we're blessed both before and as we make this offering of praise and gratitude. Herein, talking about the type of sacrifice that is a pleasing and acceptable sacrifice to the Father, I think of the way that the Father was pleased to receive the sacrificial death of his Son on the cross and considered that to be a pleasing Sufficient, satisfactory substitute for sin, suitable atonement. We're told in Ephesians 5 2 that Christ gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God, fully pleasing to him. The Lord delights to receive our fragrant offerings of gratitude. And that's what Paul here says the Philippians' love and support of him and his ministry is. 
And we, we can be sure that the Lord will be pleased to receive our gifts also, our gifts to the service of his purposes in that same way whenever we present our offerings with the same kind of spirit. As men and women, boys and girls, to whom the Lord has been generous, the Lord then calls upon us to be generous towards him and towards his gospel purposes. And the reason that we can be generous to the Lord and generous towards the gospel, his gospel purposes is because of the encouragement that Paul gives the Philippians in verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And we'll, consider, we'll consider that truth, that verse more in two weeks. But for now, just, just find encouragement in the promises of Christ who says to us in Mark 10 and elsewhere that whatever we might give up for the sake of the Lord, the Lord will give abundant blessings to us in its place. And it's for this blessing that Paul is most thankful for. That blessing that he knows that the Philippians are going to receive is the reason why Paul rejoices in the Lord greatly, as he says in verse 10. Paul gives thanks to the Philippians for their partnership and their acts and their gifts of support to him. But even more than giving thanks to the Philippians, Paul gives thanks to the Lord. He's thankful that the Lord has united the Philippians to Christ. He's thankful that the Lord has united their hearts to his and to his mission and ministry. And he's thankful and he gives praise to the Lord with confidence that the Lord will supply every one of the Philippians' needs and for every need of the work of the gospel. You know, on multiple occasions in this letter, the Apostle Paul encourages the Philippians to emulate or imitate mature Christians. He encourages them to live like Timothy lives. He encourages them to emulate Epaphroditus. He encourages them to follow his example. He encourages them and us to follow anyone's example who walks in this way that Paul calls us to do in this letter. And I think that we would do well as a people if we would emulate the Philippians themselves in how they partner, partnered with and supported and encouraged Paul and his ministry. And we already do that. And I want to thank you for the way that you as God's people do that in your generous giving. Through your generosity, we're able to partner with and encourage missionaries who we support. And some of these missionaries who we support at Newport we have supported for 15 or 20 or 30 years. I think of John and Kathy Rugg serving in Chile. I don't know how long it's been, but I think it's been at least 30 years that Newport Church has been a ministry partner of theirs. RUF Mizzou, that also is a ministry that we've partnered with probably for close to 25 or 30 years. Gary Johnson, we've been partnering with him in his ministry for some 20 years. Stephen Amy Robertson, 15 years. This past year, we visited with Gary on Zoom one Wednesday night, and he basically, if you remember, if you were on that call, he echoed these words of Paul. 
He told us, I want to thank you guys at Newport for your faithfulness to us. You have stuck with us for 20 years. We've, our, 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 our ministry has changed and morphed over the course of the years, and there was some uncertainty associated with it, but Newport Church stuck by us, and that has meant so much to us and to our family. The leader of another area of ministry that Newport supports in, in uh, a financial way this year and in many other ways has said to me a similar thing before. This ministry leader has told me on multiple occasions, you know, Daryl, there really isn't any other church that does for us and that does for me what you and Newport Church do for me. This year, in addition to serving to continuing our partnership with some missionaries who we've supported for 20 or 30 years. This past year, we also met and began to partner with some new friends, with some new partners in the gospel. We met and began to partner with Nate and Aaron Taylor in Glasgow, Scotland, and Andreas and Katerina Van Wingarten serving in England and the Netherlands. We helped them to move on to the mission field this past year. We've joined with these brothers and sisters in Christ and and we share in their ministry, we share in their lives, and they share in our lives. And so, like the Philippians did for Paul, let's us seek to do a similar thing for our ministry partners. Let's seek to encourage them. Let's seek to share their joys and even to share in their troubles as Paul spoke of the Philippians doing. Let's seek to to remove some of the challenges, some of the burdens that they've been experiencing. Let's over the course, let's remember this issue. And over the course of the upcoming weeks and months, let's try to give, give consideration of how we might be able to partner with these missionaries and ministries that we help support in such a way that we'll experience that both of us will experience this blessing that Paul speaks of in this passage. That the partner to whom we give support, to whom we give aid, let's pray that that will be a type of aid that will be very meaningful and helpful to them and their ministry. And let's also pray that the Lord would also give to us this promised blessing that comes from both receiving and giving. There's great opportunity, there's great need for us to do this, for us to consider and even reconsider how we go about carrying out this missions ministry in the life of our church. We only have two people presently serving on our missions committee, and one of them is me. Obviously, we'd love to have more involvement on that. Pat has been so faithful for all these years serving on that committee, but but we would love to have more people join us in that effort. And, and it's, it's, it's not a whole lot of work from week to week, day to day, by any means. Really, more than anything, it's just reminding our congregation of our missionaries and sharing any needs that they might have, making sure that their, their updates are, are uh, uh, disseminated throughout the congregation. Um, so this is... This is something, a way of serving that almost any of you 
and the congregation could, could readily serve in, in um, helping us on that, in that missions ministry. Now, how else might we be able to um, support our missionary partners? Well, of course, as the Philippians did, we can give. We can give generously. As a church, we gave over $12,000 this past year to different missionaries and, and ministries. That's what we did as a church. We'd love to be able to give more even than that. And we invite you also as individuals, as families, to provide additional support for any missionary whom the Lord really unites your heart to. We can pray, and we'll do that in just a bit for each of our missionaries. And I want to ask you, do that at home. We've got about a half dozen missionaries, supported ministries, six, seven of them, you could very readily take a day a week and pray for one particular ministry or missionary on that day. You could do that each, each day of the week. We can encourage them. You can drop them a note. I'm sorry, I actually meant to have a sheet prepared for you today and I, I failed to do that. But I'm going to provide you with all of the, the contact information for all of our missionaries and our supported ministries. That'll have their names, that'll have the names of their children, that'll have their email address, their physical address, phone numbers. Feel free to drop them a note. You may feel that that would be odd for you to do, but the missionaries wouldn't think that that would be odd at all. And they would rejoice to receive it. And they are well familiar with Newport Church. Even though the support that we give each of the individual missionaries isn't this very large amount, it, they appreciate that partnership again. So if you drop a note and just sign it with your name and Newport Church, they're going to know exactly who, who you are. They're, they've been in this building. They've been our guest here. And certainly this year, it's our prayer that John and Kathy Rugg will be able to visit with us again but they would be pleased to receive any type of, of encouragement that you might, might be willing to enjoy, including simply a note. And imagine how encouraging that would be if on a Monday you would send an email to someone and say, Steve, Amy, just wanted to let you know our family just prayed for you today. We do that every Monday. Um, that will be a great encouragement, I can promise you. What else might we be able to do? Well, we might be able to go. A number of us have talked over these recent years about going on an international missions trip. It's been more than a decade since Newport Church has done that. But several of us have talked about the joy that it would be um, to be able to go and visit one of our missionary partners up close and personal on the field. I don't know if we can still pull that off this year, um, perhaps we'd have to wait till next year, but let's pray about that. Let's talk about that, and let's see if that could still be a possibility. And even if we can't go someplace internationally, certainly at a minimum, a number of us could hop in the car and, and drive over to Columbia, Missouri to visit David Barnes and RUF at Mizzou. Maybe we would attend one of their ministry functions or simply spend time visiting with David and maybe also his family. So let's seek to apply ourselves to giving more consideration of how we can enhance that blessing 
that Paul speaks of here, both a blessing to us and a blessing to our ministry partners. Let's pray now. And let's, if you don't mind, let's have a bit of an extended time of prayer where we'll pray for each of our ministry partners um, and also give thanks to the Lord. Lord God, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for the Philippian church, um, for their faithfulness. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are ever about your father's business, Jesus, as we talked about yesterday at our men's breakfast. We thank you that you are constantly expanding your kingdom, building up your church, redeeming a people from every nation, tongue, tribe, people group. Um, We thank you, Lord, that the gospel went into Germany that the gospel went to England and Ireland and Scotland and France and Spain and all throughout the world. We thank you for the way that, um, that you have worked faith into many of our families for generations. For others, maybe that is a new thing. Thank you, Lord, that people were faithful to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, even to the United States of America. And Lord, we pray that you would be pleased to continue to save sinners, save sinners among us, save sinners throughout our country, save sinners throughout the world, Lord, we pray. But Lord, to do that, you have determined that you would do it through the help of people such as us. Um, You help sometimes through people with great resources and sometimes through people with very limited resources. Lord, we thank you for the dignity that you give to the smallest of gifts, the dignity that you showed to the widow who gave her two final mites, the dignity that you showed to the little boy who, when faced with a crowd of many thousands who were hungry, he said, I don't know if this can help, but here you can have these couple of fish and these couple, couple loaves of bread. And we thank you that you are the God who is able to do remarkable things with the smallest of gifts, the smallest of offerings. We thank you that you take those small offerings, sometimes which may seem so insignificant to us, and that you receive them to yourself as a fragrant, pleasing offering. Lord, I thank you for Robbie demonstrating a willingness to give out of what he had. Yesterday, he found a couple coins in the church, and he put them in the offering plate rather than to keep keep them for himself, even though we all know there is that temptation to keep money for ourselves rather than to give generously. Lord, I thank you for the partnership um, that Paul had with these people in Philippi, people such as Lydia and the jailer and Epaphroditus and his ministry partners, those who you use to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world, people like Timothy and Silas and Peter and John Mark and Philip and Stephen, all of those from the biblical age, and Lord, those who have come after them, 
Augustine of Hippo and Clement and John Wycliffe and Martin Luther and John Calvin and John Mark and uh, John Knox and Jonathan Edwards. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry and the faithfulness of R.C. Sproul and Ligonier Ministries. Lord, our denomination, we thank you for those folks who, who were part of the establishment of our denomination some 50 years ago and who gave sacrificially for her establishment. I, I thank you for those those dedicated supporters of Covenant Seminary, our denomination's national seminary. Lord, we thank you for those who discipled us, our parents, our teachers, our pastors over the years. And Lord, we thank you for our missionary partners. Continue to expand your kingdom in our hearts, in our homes, in this church, in this community, and around the world, Lord, we pray. Amen.